Ah, uh, yes. The music of John Tavares' people. Apparently. Get out of your vehicle lease. ASAP, over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia and AB with you. The Leafs took the win in OT last night over the New York Rangers thanks to some Mitch Marner magic. Magic also, AB. Even though you're allergic, you ate a couple of them. Our producer, Steph, has confirmed that Asian pears actually have a lot of nutritional benefits. So they were good for you before you were allergic. I was going to say, it's not what I wanted to hear. I actually liked it better when I thought they had no nutritional value because it's, it's a piece of healthy food items that I thoroughly enjoyed, but turns out uh, I might be allergic and, and might not be able to eat them. I bet you the guy on the line is a big Asian pear guy. He strikes me as one. Jonas Siegel? Yeah. Let's, let's, is it let's true? Asian pear guy? I got to be honest. I'm not a big pear person in general. Like I don't dislike them, but I never seek them out. Asian yeah. pears are different, though. Like these, I, these they're are, a little they're bit soft. too. Yeah, pears are a little bit of a mess to eat. Like you got to be leaning over the sink sometimes, and I don't love that in a fruit. Yeah, I'm like more of an apple person, and like I'll eat Asian any pear is like fruit, an apple. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, sorry. All right, fair enough. I mean, I can't eat them anyways. Now, apparently, I might be allergic, which is really unfortunate because I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't know if you heard the song that we were coming into. Um, I did. Celine Dion. And, you know, you uncovered some, some really interesting, interesting things about John Tavares in your latest piece that you put out in The Athletic this morning. One of which apparently is a big Celine Dion fan. Was that one of the more, like, interesting factoids that you learned about uh, the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I feel like I had heard that somewhere and uh, just couldn't figure out where. And, like, I remember, I think he's, like, a big Mariah Carey fan, too, at some point. Like, there's just, like, little weird things, like, that everybody has. And, like, I just wanted to find some stuff out about him that I didn't know just because he's been around so long. Like, I was thinking because he's got his 1,000th game coming up. I was thinking back to like, man, like I've seen his basically his entire career. Like I remember the press conference that Brian Burke gave where he was like, the Leafs are going to try to trade for the number one pick to take John Tavares. And it's like, oh my God, like now he's playing a thousandth game. He's been in the league so long. And it's like, you still feel like you don't know all that much about him. So I just wanted to see if there was anything else I could find that I didn't know. What else did you find? What was the most intriguing thing you found out about uh, John Tavares when interacting with his teammates? I thought that stuff that he's like actually like such a foodie was was kind of interesting to me like like an extreme foodie like Alex Kerfa told me like he would plan in advance the restaurant that they were going to go to in a certain city like he had scoped it out he knew what he was going to order like he likes like really good restaurants the stuff about like bringing olive oil with him on the road to some restaurants and bringing like sea salt in his backpack like all that stuff you think of him as being very organized and detail oriented and all that I think is very true. Keeping his airplane window window open, I think is like something that a lot of people would be annoyed by. And I think his teammates are sometimes annoyed by it, but like he is just so locked in and like some of the stuff that didn't make the story just because there just wasn't room is like, I think he keeps his schedule like down to like the minute. Like I think he's super, super, super organized that way, which I don't think is really that surprising. Uh, it just it just reminds you like why a guy can continue to be effective at his age at his point in his career like he's on 
point-per-game pace, basically. He'll probably score 30 goals. He's having a good year. I think the last two games, I was thinking this walking home after the game last night, is like, I think that's as good as he's looked maybe since that first year in Toronto. Like, yeah. he's just been on it. He's looked great. Uh, we're with Jonas. Go ahead, A.B. Well, I'm just curious how much you think, like, just reading your piece, seeing how, as you said, methodical the guy is with what he puts in his body, like how much that has allowed him to be so successful and be, you know, the longevity and the, the as Craig Button puts it, the model of consistency that he's been, you know, into his 30s, into his career. Yeah, it has to matter, right? Like, it has to matter that you take all that stuff so seriously. Like, even something as small as, like, Jason Spezza brought up that they really like to play cards and, like, they like to get the John Tavares to play cards, but one of the issues is like he doesn't want to play that long because he doesn't want his sleep cycle to be interrupted. And it's just like little things like that where he is thinking with performance and longevity in mind. And I remember talking to him early in the year just about longevity and like what he wanted the ongoing stages of his career to look like. And he brought up some guys like like Joe Pavelski was one player he brought up. Just guys who have been able to age really gracefully and continue to find ways to, to be effective. And I think like you see he's willing to continue to tweak things. Like I I've been really interested in the work that he's continued to do on his skating. Like he is working with their skating coach constantly. Yeah. And that's something that dates back to the summer where he just wanted to be lighter on his feet. Like you can really notice that specifically in these last few weeks where suddenly he looks quicker again and it's like if you're willing to do all that other stuff and then you're willing to change and tweak things to still be effective like obviously you're going to be able to have a long career would you categorize him as as maybe underappreciated by the fans here in toronto that's a good question i don't know like he's he's firmly there like he it's just he's surrounded by such splashy stars and like how could he not fall behind matthews martin nylander you know what I mean? Like he's just, and he's not like exciting like those guys. Totally. And we, and he's more like this is part of the story. Like he's just more boring's not the right word, but he's so serious and like he's such a professional that there's not really like he's not excitable that way as as opposed to like someone like Neander who's coming to like post game press conferences in like green flashy suits. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's cerebral. I think like is is a is a ah. word that I could use to describe i think i saw last night like seven slot shots he's just like he's just getting into the right oh he was he was absolutely on it last night he was fantastic uh in conversation with jonas siegel of the athletic another guy who was on it last night and has been now for the past little bits timothy lilligren uh big goal to tie things up assisted on the game winner he's been eating up a lot of minutes lately too with all the injuries that's been on the blue line um, you know, how impressive have you been with the way that his game has progressed this season? And do you have trust that you know he's turning into a guy that Sheldon Keefe can look at and use in, in a top-four role come playoff time? Yeah, it's impressive just because you think back to last year, and like obviously he took a step last year where he was able to play regularly, but then you tend to forget what happened in the playoffs where he starts in games one and two playing with Mark Giordano and then it doesn't go well at all in his first NHL playoff games. And literally he is out of the lineup for the rest of that series. And now it's like he's playing 22 minutes a night. Some nights he's playing tough competition. He's been in their top four. And it's like, that's a pretty significant development. And I think it's really interesting when you think about the trade deadline and what that means. Like one of the things that that Kyle Dubas said when he came out and spoke after the news about Jake Fuzzin, that he 
you know, wasn't going to be coming back anytime soon and wouldn't be reevaluated until the end of February was he said, now we're going to get to basically see Sandine and Logan have to take on more. And we're going to have to decide if what we see from them, if they're able to elevate their games is enough and whether that's going to be enough to get them basically deep in the playoffs. And I still don't know the answer to that question. I think it's been encouraging for them just how Lilligren has responded to more responsibility, more minutes. Um, he's getting some power play time. He kills penalties. Like he does a little bit of everything. I still don't know what that means as far as like, do you go out and get another defenseman knowing that if you do that, you're, you're potentially knocking Rasmus Sandin out of the lineup or Lilligren or whoever. I, I, I think that's a really difficult, hard conversation for the front office to have to figure out. Yeah, Carlo made a good point this morning on First Stop saying that like Sandy and Lilligren have made major strides and you can try to get an update upgrade on the blue line if you want, but if you want to re-sign these guys, at some point you you got to give them a little bit of trust in the postseason. I, I wanted to ask you about Lilligren and the power play, Jonas. Where are you at with the Leafs on the man advantage? And I, I'm, I'm mostly asking about Morgan Riley and, and his lack of production on the man advantage. And if you think that maybe it's time to give Lilligren a look back there, or if you think that the Leafs are doing the right thing and opting to let Morgan Riley kind of figure it out uh, in the quarterback position at a time in the season when they have the flexibility to let guys work through things. I actually really liked their top unit uh, last night. I thought that's, that's the best their top unit has looked in a while. They didn't score, obviously, but I thought they were on it. And he was, I think one, one thing that really stuck out from that game and Riley in particular is like he was putting pucks on net and that was having an effect. Like I, I'd highlighted it in a story recently, just how little he had shot the puck this year. And he's obviously never going to shoot the puck a lot because of the guys that he's playing with. Yeah. Um, but just a little bit more to keep defenses honest, to, to create rebound opportunities. I, I still think that's the right way to go, to have him on the point of their first power play unit. Like I, There are things I would experiment with, but I think they kind of need to get that established going into the playoffs because one thing we've seen from them in the past few years is in the second half, their power play has really fallen off, and it's been an issue in the in the playoffs. I don't like their second unit, though, Like I, I but I don't know what you do. They just... When you load up, you, you kind of lose a little bit of punch with the second unit. But obviously, it's a good thing for them. Like, they get Sandine Logan some power play minutes, and that's experience that can't hurt them in the long run. We're chatting with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. Um, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, they were put together last night, uh, reunited, if you will. And I thought that it was a, very similar to what was going on, I guess, prior to them being separated, right? They're showing flashes of dominance and flashes of, of, you know, what we saw last year, but no, no finish. You know, Matthews again, missing the net a couple of times last night, just some, you know, unlucky play, I guess you could say when those two were out on the ice. I mean, what, what did you make of, I guess their, uh, their return as a line together? I felt exactly the same way. I felt like yeah. it felt exactly like it did before. And it, I don't know. There was just something. It had gone a little bit stale with the two combinations, Matthews, Neander, Marner, Tavares. I just prefer that. Like, I, I think it makes them a little bit more balanced. I think it, it gives opposing teams a little bit more to think about. And I just really like the Matthews-Neander combination. I just think Neander brings such a different dynamic just because he is such a threat to shoot. And I think we saw when they were really going uh, that he was – you know, he was like benefiting off of Matthews. Matthews was creating so many opportunities for him and vice versa. Uh, I just think Neander had kind of cooled off a little bit. I, I hadn't 
really liked his game before that little breakout in the second period. Like it felt like he had fallen off and obviously he had the goal drought. I, I still would go back to the way it was. And one thing I, I like that you kind of lose when you put Marner with Matthews is that you always had that little option to go to in the middle of a game when things were flat. You know, you could always just flip the combos and you could get Matthews with Marner and that really seemed to give them a spark. And when you have them together, like you just kind of lose that element a little bit. So I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Yeah, I, I, although Sheldon Keefe kind of did that last night. I think he alluded to it post-game, too, just the fact that he put Nylander and those three together created a little bit of a spark in that third period that ultimately kind of led to them getting the tying goal. So there still is kind of something in Keefe's back pocket. Well, that's actually – so I'm writing about that for Monday. That's actually something I would really like to see them do more is I'd like to see more Nylander, Matthews, Marner. Mm. Just – it's something that, that Keefe will go to when things were are a little bit stale, and that's what happened. Like midway through that third period, he put Marner, Neilander, Matthews out there for an offensive zone draw. They had like 40 seconds of zone time, so he did it again. And it's just like when you get into a playoff series, if you can have that card in your back pocket where it's like, you know what, there's, there's not been much happening. We're going to play those three guys together for a game. It's just like if you can have that chemistry kind of built in, I don't know. That's something I'd like to see them experiment with a little bit more in the second half. Interesting. I always like your ponderings, Jonas, and we'd be <laughs> just remiss to not have you ponder a little bit about the trade I, deadline for us. It, well, it's the things I think I think. I know. I love pieces. it. I love it. I love yeah, it. I love it. Everything kind of crosses over. Like, it ends up becoming the same, so i got to be cautious for that. <laughs> I know. It's the best. Uh, so what are, what, what's, what are you pondering recently when it comes to the Leafs and their approach to the trade deadline? Well, I mentioned the D, and and one thing I've been thinking about is, like, how big of a splash will they make, should they make? And i just like to see them really take a shot. Like, I I, I was thinking back um, to, obviously, what they've done in past trade deadlines, and it's just, like, I was thinking about Patrick Kane. and like, you're probably not going to get Patrick Kane, but, like, if you get Patrick Kane, how many goals is that adding – in a playoff series, five, six, like you're, you're getting something really tangible. And so I'd like whatever they do to be significant to actually, like if, if you're kind of tinkering around the edges, you, you might not get anything of value from that. Like obviously someone like Kane or any of these high profile forwards who might be available are going to cost you a lot, but at least you know you're going to get something good in a playoff series and maybe multiple playoff series and maybe – a cup. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about is like, I, I'd like to see them do something that actually tips the scales and actually, you know, really gives them a lift. As, and, and I don't know, like raises their ceiling more than, I don't know, like a depth move or something minor. Uh, so tomorrow, I think we've got uh, Matt Murray's likely to get the start against his former team, Jonas, uh, just because he hasn't played since, what, last Tuesday? And we all know it didn't go very well, but uh, Sam has played exceptional since. But do you think that because of that, he might be feeling a bit more pressure to make the most of that opportunity? 100%. I would think so. I mean, you're seeing the other guy kind of take the net, right? And, like, he was brought in to be that guy. Like, we can talk all we want, like, both guys were going to get an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you gave the Leafs front office truth serum, like, the idea was that Matt Murray is going to be the guy, and I'm sure Matt Murray felt like he was going to be the guy. So now, like, 
that's competition. I, I'm sure they're happy with this. Like it's internal competition. Suddenly you've got the guy Samsonov pushing the other guy who was supposed to be the guy. And and like one thing I, I've been impressed with with Matt Murray so far this year is he hasn't really had like any long dips. Like whenever he's had a bad start for the most part, he's come back and had a good start and maybe even a couple good starts. And like he's had back to back starts now where he's not been very good. Um, so I'll be curious to see how he responds the next time he gets back in the net. I like I I'm with you. I think it would be Friday against his old team and then Samsonov can play his old team on Sunday and just kind of get that symmetry. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting time for their crease just because like one guy is starting to pull ahead. Uh, so now how does the other one respond? Really quickly. So you're going to be back on overdrive on Tuesday. And I assume the term Jonas and his cronies will be yeah, who thrown are, out I, there. You know what? I'm going to get some, I've gotten some cronies. I'm, I'm gathering the posse. So nice. I'm, uh, who are the cronies that you think he refers to? Because I'm almost thinking that I might be linked into that group of, of cronies with you, Jonas. Do you want to be a crony? Julia, you guys can both be cronies if you want. I mean, what, is, what does that entail, being one of Jonas's cronies? Tell us I everything. Think it's, just like, it's just backup. Like, you just got to have my back. You got to have support. I oh, think we well, definitely can do have that. to throw, like, a lot of – yeah, right? Like, some stats, just some things to get those guys – off kilter. I don't know where these cronies came from, but I'm I'm in. Like if he did you wants see, me to have a, a crony, I, I have it. Did you see Al's brother's tweet yesterday about the Vancouver Canucks and, and their <laughs> prior to the mess that happened last night, their debut game under Rick Talkin, which they beat the Blackhawks? A B threw out some stats last night and Carlo was just like he just didn't know how to decipher it last night. He was still pondering all those stats last night at uh when we were at the top prospects game. Well, so it's you just know what like I love, had... though, guys? Like, and you guys know this. Now I start to hear, like, when I listen to Overdrive or I listen to Carlo and AK, it's like, now you, you start to hear some of these stats work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Ah, interesting. So I don't know if you were listening. I think it was with MJ, maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Hayes. Was, they were talking with MJ, and they were bringing up. It was back when the goaltending wasn't great. And Hayes brought up the low team save percentage, but then linked it in reference to team, the team having one of the best indiv- uh, expected goals against numbers and how yeah. that correlated. And I was like, whoa, expected goals coming out of Hazy B's mouth. I think, uh, I think our cronies, and I am going to join you because I think you have to be a, a numbers believer to be included in that crony discussion. I think our us cronies are starting to, to make believers out of some people there, Jonas. So like keep doing it. God's work, pal. Keep doing <laughs> God's work. Let's get those numbers out there because numbers matter. They don't tell the whole story, but usually they tell a good portion of it. All right, Preach. Pal. Preach. Preach it. Preach. <laughs> All right. Good chatting with you as always, buds. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes. Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. Yeah, he'll be back on Overdrive on uh, on Tuesday.